When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. We were talking a little bit about product's role in crunch time. Product's role in crunch time. Yeah, so um, we have, yeah, we have crunch a large time. client. Yeah, we have a large client going live on Sunday and, you know, it's basically all hands on deck. You know, we're kind of just trying to make this thing happen. There's a lot of work still left to do. And so it's, you know, are we the traffic controllers? Are we, are we getting our hands dirty? Are we like, what is it all the above kind of thing? Like how, how do Mm. we play the best role we can, um, in that, in that, um, work mode, but yeah. Find yourself a hot tub sit down have a beer <laughs> it's, probably I feel sometimes... of what, it's probably the exact opposite of what you should do yeah and we you know i think it ties back into our last week's topic of like not just ownership but like initiative and um this like different because i feel like ownership and responsibility is one thing but like having the initiative and true ownership of like you know really making sure that this thing is a success, right? Like you, you have your hands dirty, you're investing in this product, you're investing in this uh, integration, whatever that looks like, you're kind of filling in the holes um, wherever there are any. And I think that uh, it takes a skill, it takes practice, but I wonder if there's any kind of uh, thing that you guys have experienced, project you've experienced in the past with deadlines, timelines that uh, you've had to kind of lean in there. Or the shit hits the fan situation. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think a few of those. It's always funny is that I think the first part for product in the shit hits the fan scenario or the large launch is just take that step back and figure out what is it that we actually need to do and make sure that that's communicated. Right. Like, I feel like that's, that's like what I think like inherently the product role is like it, I can't write code until midnight. I'm not part of a startup. You know, I don't even know what our developer repo looks like. So, you know, realistically, it's like the the first thing that I always feel like anytime the shit hits the fan scenarios come up or anything else is just, can you sit back, quantify it, take down some notes and start, start that process. I feel like that's, that's the first thing PMs kind of need to do. So like getting very like crystal clear on, what we are doing is the best role that we could play in that scenario. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I talk with PMs about this all the time, even in scenarios where it's not shit hits the fan or you're about to launch and it's just chaos. And I was having this conversation as um, a couple of days ago, thinking about 
okay, the job of a product manager, what is it really at its core? In a lot of ways, it is to parse all of the information that's out there and make sure you're collecting the right data, parse all that data and figure out what's important. Okay, once you've done that, you need to communicate those important things to various audiences and then you need to figure out what you're going to do with that very important information. And just kind of facilitating that process end to end. Um, and I think that applies to both the times of tranquility and the times of pure chaos and madness. Uh, when you've got things breaking left and right, or you've got a major client who's about to cancel on you, you need to scramble. In those scramble modes, it's even more important because everyone's freaking out. Stress levels are high. No one's thinking quite straight. And it just takes that one person to just bring some order to the chaos. And that's, I think for me, that comes back to just understanding what data you've got, identifying what's important, making sure everyone's got the same information and then figuring out what to do about it. So easier said than done, Jake. What what are some tactical <laughs> examples that you've, uh, that you've done in the past? Like, have you been in those yeah. moments and like, where did, yeah. How did that manifest in like a, at a practice? Yeah. Yeah. The example is probably one of my top three favorite memories of working at Ibotta. Um, but Historically, what Ibotta used to do with um, in-store offers or essentially grocery offers at Walmart is we used to have our users snap a picture of a QR code that used to sit on the bottom of a Walmart receipt. And that QR code would essentially return, Walmart would return to us a, a perfect image of, of that receipt. And then we would basically read that image and understand what you purchased and, and give you that credit. That was great. Users loved it. It was accurate. It was timely. And it was a good user experience, all of those things. And as tends to happen with these things, it happened on a Friday afternoon. But one Friday afternoon, Walmart just deleted those QR codes from their receipt. And um, that caused a little bit of havoc as all of a sudden, users could not redeem any any offers at Walmart. Um but we didn't get a heads up. It's not like Walmart called us up and said, hey, we're going to do this. We had to kind of figure this out on the fly. And we started getting a trickle of information in from our customer care team. We started seeing some declining receipt volumes in, in our own metrics and dashboarding. And it just seemed like Walmart was going belly up. And as you can probably imagine, Walmart's kind of a significant portion of, of our business, just given kind of their overall market share in the country. Um, so what did we do? Well, we didn't really know exactly what was happening. We just knew something was wrong. So what we started with was let's just get people in a room and let's shorten the communication pathways between people who would be ultimately making decisions about what to do next. So we found all the different people that we would need, primarily engineering, because we didn't really know what the problem was. But we also brought in um, someone from marketing um, who owns a lot of our social media channels and someone from our customer care team because we're trying to just get a, get our um, arms around all the different data inputs that were coming in. Um, and once we had kind of a handle on the information entering our, our building, we could then start to evaluate what we had. And it was a matter of just reading the data, looking at the dashboards, talking to our social media manager, talking to someone from our customer care team, um, and really just try to paint the picture and put all the data that we had on a whiteboard. Um, and then from there, it was just a matter of me at the time, the product manager, just kind of facilitating a conversation 
and mm-hmm. asking a lot of questions. Like it wasn't up to me to say, this is what the data means so much as here's the data. Let's have a conversation about it and let's suss out together what it means. Mm-hmm. And ultimately we were able to identify that the QR codes had disappeared because we could see some receipts were still coming in with QR codes. Some were not um, because they started to, they didn't shut QR codes off across the entire country at the same time. We could start to see pockets of receipts that were still mm-hmm. coming in. Some that weren't. Um, but I think for me, it was just a matter of get the people in the room who are going to be taking action on it. Make sure you're getting all the data that you can and then act as the facilitator to help people understand what the data is telling you. And then once you start to get to some conclusions, start taking some baby steps, build, test, yeah. iterate, as they say. So in that scenario, did you have the all the resources at hand to successfully navigate this? Or did you have to like flex into a role that wasn't present? Well, I think the situation called for someone to kind of be that conductor of sorts, if you will, because you have one person over here from like social media marketing team. They're like, oh God, this is what I'm hearing. Or customer care is saying this. And then engineering is saying that. And you've got an analytics person over here saying this. And kind of like what we do as product managers, honestly, is just bring all those people together and facilitate a conversation and help help the sum of the parts um, really create something pretty special. And I don't, I guess there was space for someone to do that. I find that product managers are generally the people to fill that space. Um, but yeah, so the time, in these roles, like, yeah, sorry, in these roles, like this is the this is the role that product should play and typically yeah. does play is the conductor yeah. to navigate the situation. Totally. Um, my, I guess outside of our, you know, the job responsibilities, duties, things that we have to, um, that, that we play such a pivotal role in what, what if we're, what if you're missing like a, a key role? Like what if you're missing an engineer, like back end engineer that you need or a QA Right. Or in analytics, Uh, like, do you, how do you guys, uh, have you come across that first? And then if you have, how did you kind of, uh, navigate that? Yeah, I, I mean, I've experienced it. Lou, I'd be curious for your thoughts. I, the engineering one is hard because I don't have an engineering background and I couldn't just go write a bunch of code. Um, but for most of the other things, yeah, I think you just gotta identify what's needed and do it, whether that's research, whether that's analytics, whether that's design, whether that's customer care, pick up a phone and talk to people like whatever, whatever needs doing to get your product out the door really falls to the product manager to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with Jake there. And I think there's probably a few additional pieces that we haven't talked about, which is one, sometimes one of the most important things that the PM can do in the time of, of crisis or in the time of just, you know, getting, getting things across the line is simply just showing up and being there. You know, I I don't mean that's like a, a simple thing, but to like show up and to be there for the team is kind of about just general leadership, right? In, in our company, you're embedded into squads, squads experience challenges. Oftentimes it's related to what we build or what's going on or what's, you know, who's reaching out to who. And sometimes you can just show up and be a roadblock and actually let the work get done and try not to get in the way. I think that's the other part that we have to do is like sometimes also recognizing as the PM that the simplest thing that you can do some is just 
enable the people who can accomplish the task to get the task done and provide as much you know help and support as they need or just frankly not or it could even be things as simple as like not pinging them for an update every hour until something's fixed right like those are the parts i think the the softer side of the skill beyond the tactical like okay so we've defined the requirements we've sussed out the problem we've brought everybody together we've we've documented it great now it's time to let the rest of the process unfold facilitate it as best we can be available to answer questions and ultimately just kind of be the leader that people are looking for. I'm curious, what role have you guys played in these scenarios of UAT or like, um, you know, I, I think in particular the, the experience that we're running across today is we, you know, lack of QA. I know Ibotta typically doesn't have QA. It's kind of, I don't know if that's changed, but it was kind of built in engineering like there's a lot of automation tests, but what, how do we do like product UAT in these crisis modes? Like, have you guys um, leaned in there? I think keep to the process that you can have, you know, in, in our team, like we build features, we release to a preview environment, we bug bash it, we submit and do percentage-based rollouts. You might accelerate that a little bit more in a crisis mode, but ultimately, I guess it's also like, don't break down good habits just because, you know, your hair is on fire, right? That can also, you might end up releasing something that, oops, I didn't know this bit of code was in there with that release and it wasn't co- fully baked yet. Like, my bad. Um, yeah, you just want to like, don't let, don't let rushing sometimes ruin otherwise good practice. At the end of the day, I think this is the other thing too. Pure crisis mode, at the end of the day, it's not as big of a deal as normally as it seems in the time of. Mm. You'll fix it. Okay. Maybe That's you're coming. takeaway. <laughs> yeah. It's usually not like, not to downplay it. Like, yeah, if yeah, Walmart goes out on our system. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's thousands of dollars of, you know, it's a lot of money every single day. Mm-hmm. But it's happened before. And, you know, uh, three days, five days, it, you know, one of our engineering managers, actually Greg's engineer, Greg often said to me, um, look at the, I've said at, at the end of the day, like 10 times today, uh, <laughs> <laughs> things will take as long as they take to get built. You can't always rush the process along. Mm. You can just communicate how long it's going to take and try to let it keep everybody up to speed. You know, even in the recent, yeah, yeah, in the recent Walmart stuff, we what thought we were going to launch that feature two months ago. We're at twenty five percent rollout as of today. It takes what it takes, and Mm. you know, yeah, I think ultimately it comes back to the core idea that the product manager is responsible for the product, and Mm. the product manager, and it just kind of. To your earlier question, Kevin, it just kind of is up to the PM to do what needs doing for the good of the product. And to lose point, if that is communicating that there's a delay, it's going to take as long as it takes. Fine. If that means the best product is going to be launched to the market, then that's what needs doing. And it's up to the PM to be the bearer of bad news. Um, I also like something else that Lou said, and, and I think this is another key role 
that PMs often find themselves playing is being that steady hand and that calming factor in a crisis situation mm. or in a high stress situation. Cause a lot of times people are, are rightfully so stressing out about a deadline or about a breakage or about some data point that they don't know about. And we're often viewed as we're often viewed as kind of the, this, I hate to use the word storyteller, but yeah, in a lot of ways, we're the ones that basically communicate the big picture. And a lot of people look to product managers for guidance in those times because they're the ones that have the biggest view and the best perspective of what's going ac- going on across the entire board. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's up to product managers to help bring other people along for that ride and help them see parts of the field or the board or whatever analogy yeah. you want to use that they may not have visibility to. And, and how do you guys do that today virtually? Because I, I know like what Jake was saying, get people in a room. Yeah. I think that that really worked. Um, and it's much harder to do that. Pre-COVID. Now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so how do you guys, yeah. Any tips or ideas on how to do that virtually successfully? I mean, Zoom, I guess. Just get get people in the in the digital room, I guess. Yeah. 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 Everybody I mean, pound thing, a shot at the start. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here, Zoom, here's what I'm experiencing today. Like I Yeah, think, let's talk through it. Yeah, this is this is one thing that's challenging is that you can kind of all come together in a group setting and have some expectation or this um alignment on that story and the goals and what we're driving towards. And then we have pockets of smaller conversations. I guess this could happen in the real world too, where, you know, this person is individually working on this problem with this person, they come up with a decision and they run with it and it's not communicated back into the larger um, understanding of where we're going. And, and when you're under pressure and you're, you're, you're uh, moving fast, a lot of those best practices kind of fall to the wayside um, in, in preference of getting the job done. And so how do you, yeah, how, how does that work? <laughs> how, how, yeah. how does that work more smoothly? The, the, I think the vision that comes to mind is playing a game of soccer in a snowstorm where you're out there, there's like a couple inches of snow on the field and you can't see the lines on the field, but the goals are still there. The, mm. the aim of the game is still to put the ball in the net, right? And you've got teams of players out there, but like your tactics and your game plan and frankly, some of the rules go out the window because it's just a giant shit show. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's just a matter of, there's an element of just figuring it out on the fly. And I think right. kind of going, going back to what I was saying before is just, yeah, part figuring out, making sure you have all the data that you need, figuring out what's important and then making sure everyone's on the same page as you. Um, I think Kevin, one thing maybe to think about, or one thing that I heard in what you were sharing is it sounds like communication pathways too are a responsibility of product managers, yeah. And it's often, I think, Lou, you may have mentioned this too, but we need to up- let other people do the work. Um, and it can't be us coming in and being the hero all the time. I think a big part of it is making sure the right people are talking to each other. And are we are we facilitating the right conversations and making sure information is flowing where it should? Yeah. That's also uh, 
I think it's just a company maturity thing. I think in start in startup world, you know, people get used to talking with one or two people to get something accomplished and yeah. kind of isolating other, like not intentionally, but you know, I got used to talking to just so-and-so. Oh, there's only a few of us. Like, why do we need to involve everybody? Whereas I think the pattern that gets established as you get bigger, like I can say for our team, even when we have critical bugs or something, the default is communication, which is actually like, it's a surprising bit of maturity. Something I recognized the other day, we got delisted from the Firefox store and, or, and basically instead of it being like one or two people talking and nobody knew it was like everybody knew and everybody was talking and everybody was in public channels and it got resolved as a team, frankly, before I could even think. And so I think that's just kind of the, the difference is like overall it's like it just kind of becomes i think a sign of process as the company gets bigger well we kind of bounced around a little bit but uh um i love the conversation what what kind of homework would we give to our uh listeners if um you know either based on uh um what product's role is in crisis um any any ideas there and what we could share or challenge our listeners with yeah, my thought would be if you find yourself in a role or you find yourself in a situation where you're going through a crisis or a high pressure situation, it could be right before a launch and something goes sideways. I would focus on being the deliverer of information to the people who need to take action on it and helping them understand what's important with that info about that information. Overall, just take it, take a step back, understand the scale and impact of what's going on. And really kind of lean in and be what your team needs you to be at that time. If you need to take requirements, do it. If you need to just be a voice of reason, do it. And if you need to get out of the way, do it. This is your product, right? At the end of the day. And so you're accountable, you're responsible, but you should also um, own it, you know, own it end to end and and, uh, be proud about the thing that you're delivering. So whatever that may be, you might need to flex into a different position to make that happen or make that a reality be be malleable in those situations and and um you know respond as your team needs you to respond and as the product needs you to respond to well it looks like we finished up our coffee go rate review subscribe and uh, thank you guys for listening uh go level up